Welcome to On Demand. I'm glad you're with us today. Today we talk about consequences. Samson's life is out of control and it leads to traps. Relationship traps, decisional traps, all kinds of foolish conversational traps. It's just full of traps. I want to show you how to avoid those traps. Let's learn from this guy's life. Let's make some good decisions. And a good decision you made was to tune in to On Demand today. Enjoy today's message. I'll pray for you on the other side of this message. God bless you. Stay right there. Let me turn into the message now. And I want to talk a little bit about a guy who I, I used to wonder why he was even in the Bible. Because the, the, I'm going to read I'm going to read some of it to you in chapter 16 of Judges. And it bothers me. This is one of those bother me chapters, but it's OK, because God has this way of of saying stuff and laying out on the table the truth. This is what happened. This is what he said. This is how it went down. And you just want to go, but God, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, but it's OK. It's the kind of thing that God says, it's OK. It's embarrassing, but it's, it's also true. And the truth, the Bible says, sets you free. Now, I want to look at, I want to give you a list, first of all, of lessons. The title is The Consequences of Lying to Yourself. That's what we're going to talk about today. The consequences of lying to yourself. And then I want to show you the traps that these lies lead to. And I want to give you a list because I want to make sure you know where I'm headed. Number one, you're going to learn that lying to yourself leads to repeated romantic traps. That's what we learned in Samson's life. He lived in a constant cycle of falling in love with the wrong people, having bad situations, Violent situations, all because he kept falling in the same trap. Some of you say, that's me, 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 oh Lord, it's me. I know. Number two, we learned that he has multiple enemies. Lying led to multiple enemies. This guy, he was, he was, he was always in a fight. Number three, we learned that lying leads to manipulation by others. Other people manipulate you. And, and you lie yourself into this delusional place where you manipulate it. Number four, we learned that lying leads to private humiliation, private humiliation. You're by yourself. You don't have any money. Things are out of sync. And so you, we will learn in this guy's life that, that that's what happens. Sometimes nobody knows how much you hurt. Nobody knows how embarrassed you are. You look at your checking account. You look at your life. You look at your life. You look at your health. And you go, oh, my God. You know, how in the world did I get here? Well, and I, I understand that. Believe me, I understand it. Preachers go through a lot of depression. It's one of the biggest issues. In my doctoral research, I, I'm researching burnout because they get, they get burnt out. They get tired. They're not always honest. They're not always truthful. Aha. No, they're not. Nope, nope, nope. They're not. They hide behind the pulpit. A lot of times the truth is they, they feel this humiliation. And then all you need is a deacon, right, or some elder guy to help you feel that way. You know, I'm not, I'm not down on deacons now. I want you to know I'm a deacon fan. But some of you, wow. Do you need to stop and review, review this behavior of bashing preachers and finding out what's wrong with them and all that? Just, ooh, just a preacher killer. You got to be careful that you're not one of those guys. But here's the deal. You know, at the end of the day, you, you want to be honest with yourself because if you're lying to yourself, you're making choices that don't add up, then you need to do the last thing, right? Repent. I learned this. There is redemptive potential if you repent. There is redemptive potential if you are willing to say, OK, OK, OK. The way we're doing this church isn't right. These building programs are killing us. 
All these programs are killing us. The schedule is killing us. We need to pause and redeem this. Buy it back. Fix it. Change the schedule. Change the life. Change the way we're living. And it's when you can do that. Change the way we're operating as a couple. You know, our marriage is not going in the way it should, should go. And so we want to fix this. Now, what's fascinating about this guy, though, is this is a story about a guy who never really fully recovered. That's important. Okay. Now, I'm going to read you something. I like to put statements on the screen so you can read them. Let me read this to you. This is I thought was a cool statement. If you wait too long to change some things in your life, you will suffer painful consequences. The consequences of Samson's choices left him with permanent losses that he never, ever fully recovered from. His life became a horror movie in slow motion. He never fully recovered from it. His life became, his life became this incredible, incredible, incredible mess. See, I'm preaching so good, I'm getting my clothes all mixed up. I want you to hear me. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, this is a guy whose whole life, whole life goes haywire and he never recovers. Now, I'm going to read a verse to you that disturbs me. I would never read it ever. As a matter of fact, I was reading through the book, right? And I got to this chapter and I just, just said, nah, and you know, here's what I did. I stopped and said, this is why I don't like this book. This is why I don't like this. I'm sorry. This guy gets on my nerves, okay? I don't know why God has me preaching about him, but if I'm really honest, he's more like us. And after I read this verse, you're going to say, don't say that because that's not a good thing to say. But he has issues, romantic issues, sexual issues, choice issues. And I wish I could make this pretty, but it's not. So here we go. This is Judges 16, verse 1. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Stop right there. And he went in to spend the night with her. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Okay, keep going. The people of Gaza were told Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and they lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying, at dawn, we'll kill him. Now, they didn't come in. They, they wanted to wait so they can see because they know Samson, you know, he killed a thousand people with the jawbone of, of, of a mule. And they didn't, they'd heard, boy, you don't jump on him funny. This is Bruce Lee and, and oh boy, he'll get you. You better not, you need a lot of people. <laughs> you need a lot of, we need a lot of people willing to die because this guy is going to kill a bunch of us today. But they, they're determined to kill him. But he, he's, the, he's with the prostitute. Okay, all night. So they weren't praying. But here's the point. God put it in the Bible. And then you just want to go, God, why did you put that in there? Why did you choose this kind of guy? Why did you get a prayer warrior or something? Sometimes that's not. He cares about these kind of people. People like you and me who aren't perfect. Now, I haven't done this. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. But I can tell you what. We all, if you zoom in close, have imperfections. What's impressive about this story is God is using an imperfect person. And some of you say, well, that's good to know because, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, Samson's, 
I can relate to him. He's, he's got an issue. But we don't want to focus on that because that's not really the priority. But I want you to see he was trapped by a prostitute. Trapped by sexual behavior. Never stopped. He's going to go from the prostitute to Delilah. That's the next stop. We'll see that in a second. Samson lay there. This is pretty graphic here. Only until the middle of the, at the night. So in the middle of the night, he got up. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is important because this is incredible. He took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts, tore them loose, bar and all, lifted them up to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faced Hebron. Okay, now you could just leave, but that ain't how he left. He said, I'm going to take a souvenir. So he takes the city gates, one on each shoulder, and he takes them up a hill. I mean, I can understand. Okay, you're going to tear the gates out, but why are you going to carry them up a hill? He carried them up the hill, and I'm telling you what he's doing. He's sending a signal. Don't follow me. He obviously knew that people were coming for him, but he let them know. Now, listen, um, you guys better not follow me. You better not follow me. I'm leaving, but don't you come after me. And you know what? They didn't. When they saw that, killing him the next morning was not on their agenda anymore. He was too much. Time out. I'm not following that dude. Did you see him tear that gate out of that? What? Not me. Not pursuing. Not chasing this guy. And so, sure enough, he got out of that trap. But there's another one. Verse 4 says, oh, another woman shows up. It's always a woman with him. Have you noticed that? It's always a woman. What is it with you? What is it? Is it a guy? Is it a job? Is it money? What is it to get you? Well, watch verse 4. Sometimes later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorak, whose name was Delilah. There's another woman he falls in love with. right? And that's going to become his trap. His trap's name now is Delilah. What's your trap's name? Now, if you sit next to your trap, don't say anything. But everybody, if you're not careful, you got a trap. You got one. So watch this now. The rulers of the Philistines, verse 5, went to her, to Delilah, not to him. They didn't go to him. And said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him, each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Okay. Now, here's what they do. They get smart. They say, we're not going to attack him. We need to find out how he does this. So we're going to offer her some money. So now this is all about money. Delilah did not care about him. She did not care about him. She cared about money. Delilah's goal was to get the money because they said each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels. Girl, we're going to make you rich. We're going to load you down. You tell us his secret. So uh, <laughs> they know they can't go get him. They know they're not going to get they, they They saw the gates in their mind. They're not going to go take him on. So um, now... Because he's in this situation, 
He's made himself vulnerable to manipulation. That rhymes. Watch this. Because he's in this situation now, he's with this woman, see? Sometimes you can put yourself in a situation, in a relationship, in a friendship that sets you up for manipulation. And remember, he tends to live in the land of make-believe. It's not the first time he's done it. Remember, he thought he was married in the last few, you know, few weeks ago. We talked about that. He acts like he, you know, this is a guy who doesn't, who doesn't get it. He's just absolutely clueless. And so he's now going to be manipulated because of who he's with. One more time. He is now going to be manipulated because of who he's with. You hang with certain people, you will set yourself up for manipulation. Her motives were not pure. She is tricking him, deceiving him. Verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be subdued. Now, that's a dumb question. Why would you ask me that? Why do you, what, what, you want to subdue me or something? Why would you ask me? You thought, don't you love me? You know, if I'm bad, I can, you know, I'm, I can chop, you know, I can fight. What do you want to know? I can fight, girl. That's all you need to know. Well, no, why Samson answered her. And then he, he, he lies. He just plays along. Well, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not uh, been dried, I become as, as weak as uh, any other man. Then the elders of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied them with she tied him with them with men hidden in the room. She called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as, as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Okay, we want to pause here for a minute and say, okay, so I told you that if you tie me with these strings, that it would, I'd be, I, I couldn't defend myself. So you tie me with the strings, and then the Philistines show up. Okay, first time, okay, maybe. First time, first time, okay. Maybe that's a coincidence, but round two. Watch this, verse 10. The latter said to Samson, you made me a fool. How, how did I make you a fool? You made a fool of me. How did I make you a fool? How did I make you a fool? I'm trying to, now if he's thinking, he can see. Okay, so you wish that I hadn't lost to the Philistines? Is that what you, what, what, I'm trying to understand. How did I make you a fool? See, when you are in this kind of place, you don't think right. So this is round two. Watch this now. Verse 11, he said, he said well, come now. Tell me how to do it. Tell me how to tie you up. Tell me how you can be tied. Verse 11, he said, if anyone uh, ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I become as weak as any other man. So he tells her that. Verse 12, so Delilah took, two, took new ropes, rather, and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were not, there were threads. Okay. I'm trying to figure out, okay, so do you, uh, how'd that happen again? So Delilah, verse 13, said to Samson, at all this time you've been making a fool of me. How, how is that? And lying to me. Okay, I'm trying to figure this out. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, Round three, 
if you weave seven braids of my head and to the fabric of the loom on the loom and tighten it with the pen with the pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So, so while he was sleeping, Delilah took seven braids of his heads, wove them into the fabric and tightened it with the pen. And then she called again. The Philistines are here. And so now, OK, this is three times. And then <laughs> she gets on him again. Um, the Bible said, verse 15, she said to him, how can you say I love you? How could you possibly say you love me? You want him to tell me your secrets? This is called stepping into the land of fool now. Okay, you somewhere in this conversation, you should figure out this is not the person. Have you ever been foolish and you just should have known better? You're almost embarrassed to tell the story. You know, he beat me down 20 times and it's when I had the 15th black eye that I realized that I, <laughs> I was in trouble. Have you ever, you ever been there? You ever been to the point where it's my 18th, you know, or thousandth time being bankrupt? You know, have you ever gone to a testimony where in the middle of your own testimony you're saying, how in the world, okay, I know you can't be bankrupt that many times, but you know, you feel like it, right? Have you ever said to yourself, this is foolish? This is, this is foolish. I'm paying all this money to go to college and I'm not going to class. Explain that to me. How in the world could I allow all those foolish things to fly over my head, right? And land like a plane in my mind when I knew better than to trust that guy, this girl, that person. How in the world? Oh, boy. Okay. So then finally, he changes. And he tells him, I'm a Nazarite, verse 17. No razor's ever been used on my head. Because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. He told her. So the guys came, tied him up, and now he is going to be tied for real. Um, <laughs> it said this. This is interesting. And uh, verse 18 says, when Delilah, don't you see this? When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she went to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. They paid her. <laughs> they paid her. In advance of tying him up, they, they paid her. She's paid. Verse 19, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the, the seven braids of his hair. And so he began to began to subdue him and his strength left him. She made sure he was weak before they came. Samson lost his power when he violated his main covenant with God from birth. He struggled all of his life, but was but this was a total surrender to romantic, the romantic moment 
and a carnal person. There's something about this moment that's different than anything else because now he's, he's, he's surrendered himself totally. And for some of you, that's what's happened. You've totally surrendered to pornography, to lies, to lust, to a person, and you've totally forgotten God altogether. And so here are the final consequences of this. This is important. Verse 20, then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought. Here's what he said. I'll go out as before and shake myself free. <laughs> but he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's verse 20. He did not know that that was one lie, one compromise too many. He did not know that that was one time too many, one too many robberies, one too many, one too many. You, my friend, can go one too many. That's what Samson did. And so what happens is the private humiliation now is going to become a public humiliation. You know, God gives you this opportunity. But if you don't listen, you end up in a place. So what happens is in the privacy of her home, in the privacy of where she lived, there's a consequence. And normally it starts in private. Look at verse 21. Then Pharisees seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to the grinding grain, to grinding grain in the prison. What was that like? What was that consequence like? All of a sudden now, it's over. No more opportunities. No more I'm sorry. It's over. But then there's this great verse in verse 22. This, this little line says, but the hair on his head began to grow again after he was shaved. You see, when you mess up, here's the good part. God has a redemptive plan for you. He got trapped. He fell into a blind spot. He had a pattern in his life of destruction. But I'm telling you, God has a way of redeeming people. One of the things that I've learned, and I, being a pastor for all these years, over 40 years, I've learned that people get it wrong. I've learned that people fall into long traps. Some people are in traps for years. They're not in it for a month or two months. It's 10 years. It's 20 years. It's all their life. Samson never showed signs of a man who got it until this season. And in this private moment, when those guys are gouging out his eyes, they're making sure this guy doesn't get you. They're making sure he can't do what he used to do. And in that moment, in that private moment, the Bible says his hair is growing back. So I believe this. You can be on drugs. You can be all messed up. Your whole life can be jacked up, but your hair can grow back. I believe that God can fix your life. I don't care if you divorce one, two, three, four, five times. God is able to fix your life. The consequences don't mean that it's over, but it does mean this. It does mean this. That opportunity is gone. This chance is no longer here. You may not have that job. You may not have that income. You may not have the same things you had before. You may not ever have that level of health again. But he's a God who can help your hair grow back. He can give you some redemption. In the middle of this, some of you need to stop worrying about getting back to where you were, get to where you can be. 
get to where your next best place. But what's really tragic here is it doesn't remove the public consequences. In verse 23, there's a public moment that's hard to watch. And I know it's not pleasant for God, but there are times when you didn't listen for so long. And this is my prayer for me. Oh, God, please let me listen in private. There was a verse in Corinthians where he said, if you about communion specifically, he said, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. If I can say to me, Ricky, don't do that. If I can challenge myself, if I can challenge our church, if I can challenge us to do right now, right now in private, when before my eyes are gouged out, before all my money is gone, before I'm embarrassed, before I put myself in that place, before you end up in a place you can't get out of. Well, in verse 23, God being true in his name, so let me show you what happens when you don't listen to me. Here's what he said. Verse 23. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to, to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they promised. Watch this now. They praised their God, rather, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. The one who had laid waste our land and multiplied our slain while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Imagine what that's like for him. To go from being a strong guy in charge and now all of a sudden, Everything has changed. Verse 27 is one of the most amazing verses. Verse 27, 28, it says, in, Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Okay, now we're back on track. Now we have a moment. Uh, just curious, why does it take all this? Guys, eyes gouged out, privately embarrassed, publicly humiliated before he prays. And to be honest, I don't recall that being said so far in the story. First time I just stood out to me that he said, hey, Lord. Samson prayed, verse 28. Sovereign Lord. There you go. Sovereign Lord, sovereign, the word means independently in charge. You're the God in charge. You're the sovereign Lord. I know who you are. Remember me. Then he says an interesting word, please. Please. You said that lately? Please, God. Then he says something else, strengthen me. Just one more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on these Philistines. These are enemies. For my two eyes. Why? Why do you need to be here? Why does it take all of this? Then Samson reached out toward the two pillars. And the Bible basically says he pushed and all of it fell down. And he killed more people in his in the death of Samson because the whole arena fell on him and them, killed 3000 people 
all in his death. Here's the question for you. How much are you like this guy? He waited until he was captured, blinded, <laughs> at the end of his life before he could see. How long and how much will you need to go through before you come back to God? It's a great story. It's painful to watch. But it's what happens. I need to take you on a journey. First of all, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to take you on a journey. Because here's what I believe Samson did. He made some bad investments. He did not focus on what really mattered. He got lost in lust and he got lost in anger. That's a bad investment. I want to pray for you. Father, help us today. There are people today who've made a bad investment. I pray the Holy Spirit would bring healing and grace. I pray the Holy Spirit would bring strength and power. May we see ourselves today in Samson. We don't judge him. We learn from him. Help us to face our anger. Help us to face our lusts and our temptations. Help us to face our bad choices. Help us to face how we've ignored what our family taught us. He was not raised this way. Help us to see ourselves before we end up like he did. And so, God, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Now I pray for someone who's watching this who said, I need Jesus in my life, Pastor. What you said spoke to me. I've been more like Samson, and I need, to, I need to say, Lord, please forgive me. Father, I pray for grace and healing in their lives. May this be the day they give their life to you and start on a brand new road in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray you were touched, stirred, inspired. Um, oh man, this message has so many pieces to it because this is the guy's life at the end. And let me tell you, this is a guy who never recovered. He recovered at the end by repenting and seeing some redemption. His hair grew back a little bit, but boy, does he teach you the challenges of consequences. Let me pray for you today because for some of you, this is the message that can turn your life in another direction. Father, I pray for those who've listened to this message today. I pray they would hear the warning in the life of Samson and may they rise to a new place of faith and obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, see you next time on demand. Stay tuned. We've got more to talk about. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.